Welcome back to Suncast, the official podcast of Somos Unidos News and your source for the latest news on New Mexico United. My name, of course, is Seth Bidoff, and joining me tonight, we have Jacob and Earl. Guys, it's been a couple weeks. We do have some news for everyone. I felt like we should go ahead and share that before we get into our, our show this week. Uh, we mentioned it last time. We are going to be rebranding. We've picked a name. We are cha- We will be changing over to United Nomad Sports. Uh, podcast feed will stay the same. Title is going to change. Uh, we're going to have some new artwork. Our social media, everything's going to swap over. Uh, to that, we're going to have brand new artwork, brand new look, same guys, same show. The thing is, we just, I think we've kind of realized that we don't just talk about United. So obviously we want to, we want to kind of stick to that. It's going to be our primary focus. We're going to talk New Mexico United. We're going to talk USL, but we do kind of wander around a little bit in the topics that we cover. You know, we are going to have the B cast soon. We're going to have the magic cast. Um, and so I think we all kind of felt like with the variety of topics that we do talk about, although they are primarily sports related, that it was time for a rebrand. And, you know, we want to obviously want to thank, you know, Earl and everyone, Jacob, you guys over who did uh, Somos Anillos News uh, last year, this year, uh, for letting us use the Suncast, being a part of uh, Somos Anillos community. And, you know, obviously we're going to still be, Within the United Nation, we're going to be doing stuff with, with folks involved. Uh, we are going to be looking for more people to come on board to do more content with us, uh, whether it's writing for the website, whether it's uh, coming on the podcast every now and then. We are going to be looking for more people from within the community to be a part of that. So, yeah, we're excited. We're excited for this. Uh, that's how, that's where I'm at with this. Jacob, Earl, do you guys have anything that you want to add to that? No, I think that about covers it. We had a good run as uh, someone News News, but... Like the roster for United and and so many other things in the world lately, we just felt like we needed a change, and and I think we've come to a good conclusion here, and and I'm excited for what the future will bring. Yeah, and I mimic the same exact thing that Jacob just said. Um, it was fun while it lasted. Um, change is always good, even though old people don't like change. Jacob, accept it. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> I'm not the oldest one here, Earl. Nope, not even close. My bad, my bad. Um, no, we're excited about it. I'm super pumped about it. Looking forward to a new logo. Um, I kind of played around with it a little today. Guess what? I'm not arts. Um, <laughs> me. Um, turns out I was raised in Mountain Air, where the only thing we can draw is cow patties. You can draw those really good, though. I'll give you that. Yeah, I can do life-size ones, too, to be honest. I'm just kidding. I will not show you. Earl, using the poop emoji on your phone doesn't count. <laughs> oh, really? Wait. No, no. Do I even have a poop emoji on my phone? If you have anything Everybody newer than like an iPhone 4, probably. You young whippersnappers. And now we're young. What are you doing, Earl? <laughs> Um, while, while I was looking to see if he has a poop emoji, um, yeah, like I said, we, we're looking, we're going to be looking for new talent. If you are interested in being a part of, uh, <laughs> of what we're doing here, let's, let's be honest, Seth, we're looking for talent because we don't, yes. we're not talent. <laughs> we're. <laughs> so if you're interested in being on the podcast, uh, I can't, we can't guarantee you like a, an every week r- a role as far as that goes, but uh, Jacob Earl and myself will all probably occasionally need a week off or something. So we might need a third chair. If you're interested in writing about New Mexico United, if you're interested in writing about 
sports in general, like you have something that you want to say, um, reach out to us. Uh, any of us at dadventuresmedia.com, you can get to us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, just reach out and you know, have, we'll have a discussion with you, see what you're interested in, see what you want to do. And we'll, we'll, we will look at bringing you on board. Now, I, I do want to throw this out there. This is not a paid position that we do this for our love of the sport, of sports in general. Um, so we are, so please don't, you know, if you're expecting to get paid from this, please don't, you know, take this the wrong way, but we're not going to pay you. We can't pay you. <laughs> um, like I said, it, it's, a, it's a passion project. We, we have, have no money. money. Yeah, there you go. Um, but no, if you have a passion for this, then please reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you about it. Um, also, with the rebrand, we do want to mention that uh, we will be transitioning over to YouTube. Um, Twitch, I, I love Twitch. I use Twitch a lot in my own personal stuff, and I feel like Twitch is a great platform for, for that type of stuff. The thing about Twitch is that there's not a gr lot of discoverability. Now on YouTube, you can go over, if you were to just search New Mexico United, whatever, you're going to get basically New Mexico United stuff. And so we, by moving over to YouTube, I think it's a, number one, a bigger platform uh, and a lot more discoverability uh, for us out there. And so I think it'll help, we think it'll help grow what we're doing here as well. So uh, keep an eye out for that. We've got a channel set up over there. We're going to have, again, once we get all the artwork and everything, uh, hopefully by the time our next episode falls in two weeks, we're going to have everything set up and ready to go as far as that goes. So uh, that's our housekeeping. Thank you guys so much for being here. If you are on Twitch tonight, we appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, you can get your questions and comments here in the chat. Same thing is going to happen over on YouTube. We will be doing it live on YouTube. You can get your questions in the chat. You will get you on the show if you, uh, if you come and join us over there. And we would love to hear from each and every one of you as far as that goes. Uh, so much news to get to this week. Uh, we do have uh, some burning questions. We've got a lot of great things to talk about. Uh, if you're uh, just real quick before we do get into the show, I mean, Earl, how have you how have you been the past two weeks? How have I been the past two weeks? Um, are we talking about work related, or we're we talking about United related, or sports? just in general, man? Like, how are, are, is work good? Are you you are still employed? Yes. As far as I checked, yes, I, st I still keep going. So <laughs> you're getting paid, right? Uh, uh, sure. I mean, I haven't got paid in two weeks, so I, I guess I'm still employed. Um, that's always a good thing. I mean, they haven't kicked me out of the building yet, so that's a good sign. Um, the past two weeks have been great. I mean, on top of, I mean, I love my job, even though I joke about it. Um, I do love my job. So that's a plus, right? Don't have to stress about really any work. Um, and on top of that, all the United signings, all the sports going on, basketball's going on, LeBron gets heckled by fans. Um, it's it's great. LeBron got heckled by Atlanta fans, no less, which I think is fantastic. That's a very Atlanta thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I was super happy to watch that. Um and just another highlight, I mean, obviously everyone knows I'm from Mountain Air, super small town. Um, I did mention it to Seth and Jacob a couple weeks ago off air about the grant that Mountain Air was 
given by the Shaquille O'Neal Foundation. That is now official, and Mountaineer Sports will be happening thanks to the Shaquille O'Neal Foundation. Um, so that's that's great. Mountaineer was one of 23 or 24 small-town high schools that were awarded $10,000 to fund their academic year. So Mountaineer's looking good right now. Yeah, congratulations to them. That's a that's a huge deal. Uh, as we all know, the high schools within the state kind of suffered this year. Uh, I know there's talk that schools may be getting back here fairly soon. Now, what that means for athletics, I don't know. I just know that I'm dreading if my three kids are all on different schedules. Once they do start back, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Honestly, I think they should just wait until the fall to send everybody back. Because uh, right now I know some teachers that have not been vaccinated yet that are haven't even been told that they can get vaccinations yet. And in fact, I believe APS canceled vaccination clinics just last week. So uh, Rio right Rancho. Rancho did too? Okay. Yeah. To answer your question, uh, yes, there will be athletics. Um, so the catch and caveat for that is your school has to be at least in hybrid mode. So 50% or more um, or any hybrid mode, I think it is up to 50%. If there's four COVID cases in the school within a period of two weeks, that school gets shut down to reassess. If there's one COVID test on or one COVID positive on the athletics team, that team is then suspended to reassess and what's going on. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know all of that. I just knew uh, from the governor's announcement the other day that it was okay for schools to start going back and then the school's all going, oh, wait, we have to make decisions on what we're going to do. Athletics will start back February 22nd. February 22nd. Okay. It voted on a schedule where the schedule will go through the end of May. Interesting. So I'm assuming that does that mean that we're going to see spring football instead of fall football in terms of uh, the football in February and March. Okay. So sounds like a bit of an abbreviated season then for, for football. Yeah. So, but at least they're getting to play, uh, you know, some of these seniors uh, who might not have otherwise gotten a chance to play. Sounds like they're going to have an opportunity to finish out their, finish out their high school career anyway. So that's good for them. Um, congratulations to the two seniors in Clovis who got scholarships for UNM to play football without having yes. the seniors. Yes, congratulations to them. I saw a tweet earlier from, uh, I think it was Brandon over at KOB. I could mm -hmm. be right. So I know I saw at least one tweet from him. So congratulations to those guys who got the, got the scholarships. Always good to see UNM going local uh, and bringing some guys in. I know it's a big sticking point for a lot of folks in terms of New Mexico sports. You know, are we recruiting local? Are we building the brand within the state first before moving on? So congratulations to them. Um, so I had a topic I want to discuss with you, Erlano. Jacob's not terribly interested in it. And uh, yeah. if you're watching the stream, Jacob's actually not sitting with us currently. Uh, big announcement today from EA Sports. The I'm sorry, I, I would, I'm so used to calling it NCAA but it's not NCAA anymore. It's EA Sports. College football is making a return. 
it's been this series has been on hiatus since 2014. Well, the last time it came out, Denard Robinson was on the cover of the game, uh, a guy who had no, um, really no pro career to speak of. And so this is super exciting for me. And given the given the state of the NIL within the NCAA and players' likenesses and things like that, um, there wasn't a lot of information given out today. And one of the tweets from EA said uh, development over the coming years. So it may, it may not be until you know, 2022, 2023 before we see a college football game, but I'm super stoked for this. Yeah, trust me, I am the same way. Um I remember growing up playing NC. I'm going to call it NCAA. I'm still going to call it NCAA. If you ask me in 10 years from now, it'll still be NCAA. Um, I remember growing up playing NCAA. Um, obviously, I am a fan of two different teams, um, Ohio State and Hook'em Horns. Um, I do remember never being able to beat Alabama because Alabama has always been that good. I remember losing my cool ones trying to play Alabama. Um, what I do like or what I liked about the old games was the reverse. In case someone ran one back on you, you could reverse yourself um, and give it another try. Uh, I am looking forward to it because I love, love, love more than Madden and more than NBA 2K, whatever the heck it is nowadays. Um, and I will even venture out to say I love it more than Call of Duty. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing about the NCAA football series. It's had such a giant following. And if you look at the if you look at how long it's been gone from the from the gaming atmosphere, so to speak, I mean, the price of the last iteration of the game, NCAA 14, goes for like one hundred fifty dollars anywhere you try to buy any secondhand seller, eBay, Mercari, any of these places, um, which is absolutely insane. Like I would love to go back and have a copy. And I told you guys earlier that I still run an NCAA 04 dynasty from time to time on my PS2, um, which, you know, you, you got to get that football fixed somewhere. And you're right. It's not the same as Madden. It never was. To me, the NCAA series was always the premier football gaming series. And, to see the reaction today across social media, uh, schools are like, hey, we're like, I saw a thing, it was like uh, Texas A&M, they're like, hey, we've updated our stadium, here's some pictures, you know. Um, other other clubs are like, hey, you know, you should include the, the turnover chain from University of Miami, stuff like that. Like schools are like, like, yes, we want this. And, you know, professional players are coming out and they're saying, okay, who's, you put a real player on the cover. Because the concern is that they're going to have the schools, they're going to have the rights to the conferences and things like that, but they they won't necessarily have the rights to the likenesses of the players. And so even like professional players are saying, you know, Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, like, like put a real player on the cover, you know, which I think is the right thing to do. You know, put someone out there that's that's the face of college football, or you know, even maybe I don't know, maybe do something where it's been like the last three or four guys you know, or like some of the big, uh, big football players, just get them together and put them on the cover, you know, maybe, maybe that's the way to go. I don't know, but 
yeah, I'm super excited for this. And as soon as pre-orders come available, and I tell people, you know, don't pre-order games because look at the cyberpunk issue and look at some of the other games I've had issues with their pre-orders. But NCAA football, I am pre-ordering day one, ultimate whatever freaking edition it is. (laughs) I will be first in line to get this new game. So will I. I will, you could be at once or I'll be at the other. Um, I will buy the freaking game, the stupid game, even if Kyler Trask is on the cover. That's dedication right there. I'm not a Florida fan. I freaking hate Florida. Um, I will buy the freaking game if Kyler Trask is on there. As long as Florida beats Georgia, I'm okay with Florida. Other than that, forget them, so... I just don't like Florida whatsoever. Um, I don't like them so much that I put their I put the hate for them above Alabama. Oh, there you go. That that's hard to do. That that's really hard to do. But I won't even put the hate for them above New Mexico State University. Go Lobo. <laughs> Being from the South, I can say that if your level of hate rises above that of say Alabama or UGA, then you know that, that that's uh, pretty intense right there. Speaking of Florida teams, though, Jacob, you bandwagon Tampa Bay fan. How do I sign out of this? First of all, <laughs> I was I was going to apologize uh, for having to step away there to deal with a screaming child, but then I came back and you were talking about the NCAA, and I I fell asleep to be completely honest. So. Um, one, because I don't, I don't care for, I will watch college football when it gets to the playoff. Um, other than that, I really don't care about it. And really the only reason why I watch the college football playoff is to see players that will be in the NFL next year or in the next couple of years. So you guys have fun with your, and, and I'm not a big video game guy either. So you guys have fun with your video game and your corrupt organization that is the NCAA football. Um, I'll be too busy, hopefully celebrating a Tampa Bay Super Bowl for the second time in my life. Uh, And it feels good, guys. I got to say, it feels really good, Uh, especially knowing that you guys are Dallas and Atlanta fans. um, I just feel so good. Earl, Earl, quickly tell me when the last time the Cowboys were in the Super Bowl. When was the last time the Cowboys won the Super Bowl? 90s. I believe it's 95, sir. Is it 95 or 93? I'm almost positive. Well, the the last one they were in, I don't know what if they won it or not, but pretty sure it's 95. Let's see. And then, and then uh, Seth, the last time you guys were in the Super Bowl, what happened exactly? 28 to 3. Yeah, yeah. So, so I don't really care what happens. Um, (laughs) I'm just happy to be there. Um, so, so we're both wrong, by the way. When was the last time they were in the Super Bowl? Last time they won the Super Bowl was 96. Oh, okay. So I was off by a year. Either way, it was um, a long time ago. Were you born yet, Earl? You're funny. <laughs> just, just asking. Yes, I was born. might have been two, three? I was actually three years old at that time. Wow. You know, like that three-year-old that you had to step away for? I was that old. And I was probably screaming because the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. Did you know that since you guys won that Super Bowl, 
Tom Brady has more NFC championships than you? Hey, 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 hey. Listen here. Listen here. I don't want to hear it. You see, a couple weeks back, I will I will backtrack and make a public announcement, a public apology, I guess you can call it, where I was bashing on Tom Brady because I don't like the guy. Um only to find out that he's going to go on to the freaking, what is it, his 100th Super Bowl or something like that? Close. I think it's his 10th. Close enough. Um, and then I sent a group text, which I usually stay quiet with Tom Brady. And I openly admitted that Tom Brady was the system. I do feel like if Tom Brady were to go to the Dallas Cowboys with the current coaching staff, he would still somehow make the Super Bowl. Well, I don't even know. How, I don't even. I don't even know how to respond to that. There's so, no so way not that Jason to. Garrett could get to the Super Bowl. Jason Garrett's not the coach anymore. I so. know. <laughs> I think he could take Jason Garrett to the Super Bowl. I really do. He took the freaking what were they last year? Six and ten, four and twelve, or something like that. Us? Well, no, we were seven and nine. Thank you very much. A very respectable seven and nine. And and the problem with us last year was literally Jameis threw as many interceptions as he did touchdowns and then had fumbles on top of that. So like fifty for all, 50? all Brady is thirty and thirty. Uh, to be fair. All Brady had to do was to come in here and not throw thirty interceptions, and we had a chance. It didn't hurt that they brought back Grunk. Yeah, he I mean yeah, I, I like having Grunk on the team just because I think he's a good luck charm. But um, neither of them have been great in the playoffs. They've been good. Neither of them have been great. What's really helped us out is our defense. Look, look, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the offs this past offseason went out and decided to play Madden Ultimate Team. Kind there of. You go. <laughs> we, we signed a 43-year-old quarterback and then a guy who can barely walk, it seems like, half the time in Gronk. And then a running back that everybody else had given up on. So it wasn't like we brought in, well, we did an Antonio Brown, but he he hasn't played all playoffs, basically. So I understand what you're saying. They brought in the Dominican Sue. No, we had him last year. Was he there last year? Mm-hmm. Him and JPP were both here last year. Shows how much I care. <laughs> All right, guys, Super Bowl 55, Sunday evening. Well, Sunday afternoon, really. It's 4 like 30. Yeah, 4.30 p.m. Mountain kickoff time. The 16-2 and Kansas City Chiefs are looking to repeat in Tampa Bay at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers home stadium in front of, what, a couple thousand nurses, healthcare workers. Sold-out stadium for all the Buccaneer fans. Hey, that place is loud when it's – Normal. Eight people are they still have the, the cannons that they shoot off? Yes, and I'm hoping we can do that for the Super Bowl, but because it's supposed to be a neutral site, I don't know if they'll let us. <laughs> well, you know, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see on that. So, um, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens on Sunday. I think the Chiefs are, uh, are in a good position as long as Patrick Mahomes is healthy. I think they have a very real shot at, at possibly uh, – repeating something that hasn't been done. I think since Brady probably it's, either way, I think it's going to be a decent game. Now I, of course, will be rooting against Tampa Bay just because number one, I can't stand Tampa Bay. And number two, Brady's a cheater. 
So, you know, I'll, I will, of course, be rooting against them. We'll be watching here at the house. Uh, let's go around the table. Let's, let's get our predictions in. Uh, I think we know what Jacob's going to say, but I, I'd like to hear the scoreline. So, I will let Earl go. There's one person, one quarterback that I hate more than Tom Brady. If you say Mahomes, really? Really? Are you kidding me, Earl? What are you talking about? Why? Patrick Mahomes. I'm playing against him in a Super Bowl, and I'm still kind of rooting for him. I don't understand at all. He is overrated. <laughs> the fact that Baker Mayfield... Do you watch football? Do you watch football, Earl? Baker Mayfield's team almost beat him. Um, and I'm not going to that game. He got turf toe in the first quarter, limped his way through the next two, and then got a concussion in the third. And that's the only reason why it was close. If you watch that game, it wasn't close, except for the fact anyways, that he came out. Anyways, anyways, listen here. I don't like Patrick Mahomes, and I don't think he deserves a $500 million 10-year contract, lifetime guaranteed contract, whatever the hell they gave to him. Anyways, I will be rooting for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I see it like 27-23. Didn't Mahomes actually also go out of the Cleveland game with a concussion? Yes, that was in the third quarter. Supposedly, supposedly it was a concussion. Well, yeah, I don't uh, know exactly what it was, but he 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 didn't play the final quarter. Oh yeah, he didn't play the final quarter, and he was in concussion protocol, you know, for the for the rest of the week or for most of the week after that. So, like the rest I of mean, the night. Earl is the king of hot takes, <laughs> and and this is like the hottest take I've ever heard. I don't know of anybody that doesn't at least enjoy watching him. Nope. He he's he's so far and away the best quarterback in the league right now that it's not even close. And I, I don't understand. I don't I'm I what? <laughs> I Listen to his stat line against the Buffalo Bills on the AFC Championship. 29 of 38 for 325 and three touchdowns. The Buffalo Bills who are all who are one of the best teams in the AFC this year. It is the same Buffalo Bills that choked <laughs> year after year after year because they don't have a good quarterback because they're playing with Josh Allen. I, I'm beginning to think you didn't watch football this year, Earl. Did you boycott it for political reasons? Is that what's going on here? And you're just <laughs> you're just trying to trying to make you say because I don't I don't know what Jared Allen you watched, but he was freaking good this year. So I, I don't know what to tell you. And Jared Allen has nothing to do with Mahomes' stat line against him. It's not like he plays defense. So I'm very confused by this take. I am so confused. So, okay. All right. I'm going to try to get past that and I'll, okay, focus in on me. Focus right. on me. Jo okay. Josh Allen's 2020 Josh. <laughs> regular season. There you go. Let's see. He went uh, 396 to 572 for 4,500 yards. 4,500 yards. Yeah. Josh Allen had passed for 4,500 yards, 37 touchdowns. 37 touchdowns. He had a 107.2 passer rating. Like, that is not a bad season. <laughs> no, that's a fantastic season. <laughs> now, I will admit, Josh Allen's not the premier quarterback in the NFL. I mean, no one's going to tell no, you that he is. Because it's Mahomes. <laughs> Yes. Who but apparently Earl Holmes thinks is, is better than Josh Allen. Earl thinks is Tim Tebow over here. I don't understand. <laughs> Actually, wait, Tim Tebow's not playing anymore, right? No, he hasn't been in the league in a long time. You don't watch football, do you? 
I was just kidding on that one. No, my quarterback of the NFL. My quarterback oh, for the I can't, future. I cannot wait to rip this pick to pieces. <laughs> I cannot wait. Baker Mayfield. What? <laughs> okay, hold on. <laughs> All right, while we're doing, I'm gonna pull up Baker Mayfield season stats. Like, I mean, Baker so Mayfield I, took the freaking Browns, the okay, one no, in I, Browns in the last 19 years. I I will give Baker Mayfield credit for one thing. He's had a different offensive coordinator every season he's been a pro, and they finally agreed to keep someone for more than a season. And so, and he's excited about that, which is great. Now, I'm happy for him. I'm, I'm happy that he's found, you know, they found a, a, an offensive coordinator that's going to work with him and seems to bring out, you know, something pretty good in Baker Mayfield. But, you know, I just, I have to look at this. I have to bring up his career stats here. Like, there's Oklahoma. That's not what we want. The NFL in three or four years will be run by Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield. Watson, I, I, I don't know if will be an afterthought. He will be some kind of bench QB, just like Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. All right, Earl, so, what what is in that water bottle? Is it just straight up Everclear? <laughs> <laughs> is this a show? Is this an act? Please tell me this is an act. Because I don't know if I can talk to you if this isn't an act. <laughs> All right. Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield came into the league in the same, both in 2018. In that time, Josh Allen has gone 27 and 15. Baker Mayfield has gone 23 and 22. Uh, and in 2020, Baker Mayfield uh, passed for 3,500 yards and 95.9 passer rating. A thousand yards less than Jared Allen. A thousand yards less. 10 touchdowns. I think I think we said what? 10 touchdowns less? I mean, like 26. Yeah. 30, 11, 11 touchdowns touchdown. less than than Josh Jared Allen. Josh Allen. And, and you're going to say that jo- that Baker Mayfield is better than these guys? Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> Jacob, what's your prediction? So. Let me guess. I'm not, I'm, I'm not dumb uh, because it's it's obvious that the Chiefs have the better quarterback in this game, the better offense. They're probably the better team. My head says Chiefs by four. Um, but uh, if I were to put money on this game, if not, I didn't. But if I were, uh, it would be on the Bucks getting points at least. So plus three and a half. So even if they lose by a field goal, I would still win money. Uh, but I do think the Bucks will win this game because I think everybody's writing him off and I don't understand how you can write off Tom Brady. So uh, we'll say bucks 30 chiefs, 27. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so shook Earl. I'm so shook. (laughs) All right. So let me see right here. Uh, The chiefs. Oh wait. uh, The Buccaneers are a three and a half point underdog currently. Yes, I know. So Yeah. I don't, so, all right, my prediction at this point in their careers, with, I mean, like you said, Tom Brady is 43 years old. Rob Gronkowski probably needs injections just so he can walk. Um, he may be out there with a walker on Sunday. I don't know. 
they both have talented receivers. I think Mahomes is better. Uh, he's, he's absolutely the more mobile quarterback. Uh, I feel like the Chiefs' defense is just a bit better than the Buccaneers. Oh, oh okay. Um, now you lost it. No, there's no way the Chiefs' defense is better than the Bucs. But okay, I digress. Go ahead. All right. Uh, well, while we're talking here, I'll, I'll pull up the, the Chiefs' defensive stats, you know, just so we can see what, what we're what's going on here. So uh, I, I just, from the eye test, I feel like they're a little bit better. Have you not watched the last three Bucks games? <laughs> no, I, I've honestly, no, I haven't watched any of the playoffs really, but um, just from what I've seen this season, I feel like uh, the chiefs uh, have a better defense. Um, and so I just, but I think, I think the real difference is going to be on the offensive side of the ball. I think Mahomes is going to make more plays. I think his receivers are, are uh, just a bit better. And so I'm going to take the, the chiefs to, to repeat 35-24. I think they're just going to blow the spread out of the water. Seth, to be fair, that is that is a very, very real possibility that I'm scared of. Um, but side note and a funny story. So you may or may not know, I think I've said it on a couple podcasts. I don't know if it was this one or the Dad Ventures one, but my wife is from Kansas City. So she is a Chiefs fan, as is her whole family. So... So me and my wife, opposite ends of the spectrum here, coming up this weekend. Um, what's funny is that my cousin that lives here, that is the same age as me, his wife is the same age as my wife, and he's a Tampa Bay fan, and she's a Chiefs fan. So we're going over to their house on Sunday to watch the game, and it will be boys versus girls, so that should be fun. And because of that, I really hope Kansas City loses because I can't hear it from them <laughs> all the time. That's how I feel being a Georgia Tech fan and going to my family for Thanksgiving. Uh, pretty much my entire family is Tech fans, uh, except for my cousin and his kids who are uh, UGA fans. And now my sister is dating someone who's supposedly a UGA fan. So, Rebecca, I don't know what we're going to do with you. Um, how dare you date a UGA fan? Uh, but looking at uh, the, the team defensive rankings, uh, Tampa Bay is ninth and Kansas City is 10th. Uh, Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay ranks 13th on points allowed. Kansas City is sixth. Um, and they're pretty close along the board. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I just I feel like from the eye test that the Chiefs defense is just a bit better. So that's where I'm at with that. Uh, we've got our predictions. We'll see where we're at here in two weeks as far as who was right, who was wrong. And maybe in a year or two, we'll revisit to see if Earl is no longer crazy and thinking that Josh Allen is better. Um, no, I don't think Josh Allen's good at all. I think he is literally what the Buffalo Bills are, is a flaming garbage can. <laughs> All right, moving right along. We've got more sports news this week. The Major League Baseball uh, season has been set to start uh, on time after the MLBPA rejected a plan to push back the start of the season by about a month. Um, so, M so MLB wanted a 154-game season and to push it back by a month. Uh, MLBPA came back and said, no, we're not going to do that. And to be completely honest with you, I don't blame them. Um 154 games in a shortened season compared to 162 games, giving them a little bit more time off starting on time. Um, 
I think I think this is a good move for Major League Baseball, even though even if there aren't going to be fans in the stands. Um, I'm excited for this. Pitchers and catchers report like what next week. So this is going to be exciting. From the bottom of my heart, as a Colorado Rockies fan, baseball is dead to me. Nolan Arenado, of course, going over to uh, St. Louis. I apologize, Jacob. It was it was funny because we were laying on the couch the other day, and I got on Instagram and started scrolling, and the news popped up that it happened, and, and I looked at my wife and I was like, "I'm I'm so torn here because on one side, I am euphoric because my team is in the Super Bowl, and on the other side, a baseball team that I have followed religiously for the last twelve years." Um, just traded away the best player that I've ever seen play baseball on a regular basis. Not just hitting. Yeah, not just hitting, but hitting, fielding, just doing everything. I mean, the dude is is by far my favorite player. Yeah, yeah, he's a little slow, but he's smart. We'll give him that. Um, by far my favorite player that has ever worn a Colorado Rockies uniform, aside from Todd Hilton, um, and, and they traded away, f- traded him away for a bag of freaking peanuts and, and, and they traded away, they gave, they sent them him and $50 million for four prospects that aren't in the top 100 in MLB, not in the top 10 in the Cardinals organization. It is, it is beyond infuriating and because of that, I will probably not watch baseball this year because I won't watch the Rockies, um, which sucks because they have players that I still like, but I I can't support that ownership and that front office anymore. So I will not be watching them. I will not go to any games if fans were even allowed to go to games this year. I, I, I might watch the Cardinals, to be completely honest with you, and that's about it. You're not the only Rockies fan I've seen go that route. I haven't seen one Rockies fan that hasn't gone that route. Everybody that I've talked to personally that's friends or fans of the Rockies, including my stepdad, who's been a Rockies fan his whole life, is we've all basically said that we were done. And then if you look at any, the Rockies Instagram page posted a picture of the five new prospects and said, let's go or let's get to work or something like that. And if you read through the comments of that, the only positives are front office members or family of front office members and then family of the new people coming in. Like the wife of one of the players was like, let's do it. And then literally every other comment I sat there, I laid there the other night with my wife and said, look at this. And I just read every comment out loud for like the first probably 150 of them. And they were all just trashing the trade and the organization. So I don't, I honestly think that this might be the only time I've ever seen in my life a fan base just completely boycott a team. Because I think if there are fans in the stadium, their attendance will be way down. It's going to be insane. Welcome to the Houston Texans of baseball. It's worse though. Because this isn't like one player. It's not It's not a Deshaun Watson type thing. So yeah, Houston's having a bad year this year. This is a organizational failure that goes back I don't even know how long and we've made the playoffs yeah we've made the playoffs a couple years probably should have done better in the playoffs 
we've been to the World Series in my lifetime. And that was because we won 20 out of 21 games to make the playoffs and then swept the first few rounds just because we were hot. And then they blew that team up, basically. And they got rid of the manager like two years later and didn't want to pay Tulowitzki and let Cargo go for a while and then brought him back. I mean, it was just, they just don't know how to run an organization. All they care about is if people are in the sands and people go to the games no matter what. So they don't care about winning. They don't care about bringing back down. Like I said, they just traded their best player of the last 20 years and $50 million for absolutely nothing. They obviously don't get it. They just, they just don't. I don't understand. And it's not like they're saving money on the Arenado deal because they're paying part of his salary. It's as high as I am for the Bucks game. Um, I will blow a fuse if we continue to talk about this. So just to just to blow that fuse a little bit. <laughs> Fuck you, Earl. It's one thing to trade a incredible player to another team and make that mistake for the rest of your tenure that you're in charge of that club, team, whatever organization. It's another thing to trade them to a conference rival or division rival, whatever. Yeah, conference. Conference. So you literally traded who could possibly be top five in the MLB right now. He's the best third baseman of all time. Right now, as it stands. He doesn't even have to finish his career. I disagree, yeah, sir. Third baseman. I will I will give you that. But overall, he's probably top five. I'm giving him his credit. Top five. Possibly top three. But you traded him to the St. Louis Cardinals, who are in the same conference, who you're more than likely going to play at least 12 times this year. Yeah. It works for you. I mean, I'm a Cubs fan. Go Cubs, go. Um, and I would probably be in the same boat if they did the same thing with Javier Baez. Moving on. Moving on. You would put Arenado above Chipper Jones or some of the other fantastic third basemen? Wade Boggs, George Brett, Eddie Matthews, Scott wait, wait, Rowland. Wait, wait, wait. You're, you're, going, you're going crazy now. I said current MLB. No, no, no. He's talking to me because I oh, said he's right. the best third baseman. Okay. And yes, yes, that I would. That could be completely biased. But I know that I've watched a lot of third basemen play baseball, and nobody has done with the glove what Nolan Arenado does. And then you add that to the fact that he's one of the best hitters in baseball. I yes, he to me he's the best of all time. And I know I know our friend Sombrero Man will argue that he's not even the best right now because of uh, Chapman over there in Oakland. But actually. I, I to to be fair, Sombrero Man has had a rough off season too, so so I will pour one out for him. And I don't even know if they have Chapman anymore. So um Arenado is freaking a wizard, dude. Like just watch web gems of Arenado and you'll have sweet dreams every night. All right, so looking at his career stats, I mean career two ninety three hitter, not terrible. Uh two hundred and thirty five career home runs, seven hundred sixty RBIs. Five times, five times All Star, eight times Gold Glove Award winner, four time Silver Slugger Award winner, four time Platinum Glove Award winner, three time NL Home Run leader, two time NL RBI leader, 
and he has one cycle to his name, according to Wikipedia. I mean, look, those aren't bad stats. That's not that's, that's not a bad career. Now, I mean, he is 29. He is about to hit that age of 30 where, as we all know, players tend to start hitting the downhill side of their career. Seth, just let me have this for tonight, okay? We can argue about it after the trade is as long gone just let me just let me have it for tonight that's all i ask and let's talk about that let me talk about that cycle real quick because that cycle will forever be one of the best memories i have ever had it was on father's day me and my stepdad were watching the game and he hit a walk-off home run to win the game and complete the cycle and it was one of the most magical moments i've ever seen in my life and I will forever hold that memory, and the trade will not ruin that for me, even though the trade the trade kind of ruins it, ruins it for me. But whatever. All right. What are you drinking, honestly? Who? So I just went down the list of all time great oh, third baseman. Did you not just hear? Let me have this for tonight, Earl. Just let me have it for tonight. That's all I'm asking. All right, we're going to table this one. We'll come back to this. In two weeks, we will come back to the fact that Arenado is not better than A-Rod. Anyways, carrying on. A-Rod's a cheater. Oh, God. Moving on. Look, look, look. We can go you know, on. You know, no, you know, I have, you know, you brought up A-Rod. I have a bone to pick with A-Rod. And A-Rod, if you're listening to this, how sure. dare you compare yourself to Hank Aaron? Like, how dare you? The Hank Aaron played... No, did you not hear about this? What is happening right now? A-Rod, after Hank Aaron's death, yes. A-Rod went on to WFAN in New York, I think, is what it was. One of the ESPN radio affiliates up there. And compared himself to Hank Aaron. How in the world do you do that? Hank Aaron was a symbol for all of baseball of how to play the game the right way. No drugs, no PEDs, no sort of... Uh, controversies whatsoever dealt with the racism and integration and segregation of baseball throughout his career. And for a rod to come out, a guy who was who tested positive for PEDs to compare himself to Hank Aaron. That's a disgrace. And ESPN should be ashamed of letting that happen. I did not. I did not hear this. I don't care because it's a rod and I don't care about a rod. So, um, Aaron Boone or Nolan Arenado? What? Are you, what? Are, what kind of question is that? <laughs> okay, I'm just I'm just turning the pot over here. <laughs> we are getting off the rails here. Um, all right. So we've been on for an hour. We haven't even talked about soccer. Well, let's just have Nolan Arenado for tonight. So. Are we going to talk soccer tonight? I'm just wondering. We are. We are. That's what what we're trying to get to. Uh, Soccer is next up. The rest of the show is going to be nothing but soccer, guys. Like I said, this is why we decided to change our name to Nomad, to United Nomad Sports, because we're gonna we're gonna talk about different stuff. We're gonna wander around. We're gonna then we're finally get to our topics of the show. So, uh, first up, I don't know how familiar the two of you are about with this, but uh, there is talk every so often about a European Super League to where it would take the top teams from across Europe and put them into one giant league, kind of 
similar to the UEFA Champions League, but it'd be completely separate from that. And in recent weeks, FIFA has come out and stated that any player or that competes in any sort of European Super League would not be allowed to compete in the World Cup uh, or in other competitions. Um, now, I don't know how realistic this is as far as a European Super League happening. I found one website that went out of their way to discuss what 20 possible clubs that could be involved in this European Super League. And I want to get you guys' opinion. First of all, on should a European Super League exist? Should there be something outside of the UEFA Champions League? And your takes on some of these clubs that have been mentioned as possibilities for it. Uh, Liverpool, Man U, Chelsea, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico, Juventus, Milan, Internacional, uh, Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, PSG, FC Porto, Ajax from the Netherlands, Anderlecht from Belgium, Olympiacos from Greece, Galatasaray from Turkey, uh, CSKA Moscow from Russia, Dynamo Kiev, and IFK Gothenburg from Sweden. So what do you guys think about this? Jacob, I'll let you. Um, Earl mentioned it earlier that change is a good thing. Uh, I think except in this case. Um, like, I don't... I don't understand what the gain is from it. Um, especially trying to come up with something like that during COVID, uh, during the world we live in right now, just doesn't really make sense to me. So if you had those all all those teams in a league and they played each other all the time, I, I think it'd be fun. But what's wrong with watching Man United beat Southampton 9 nothing, Or um, Tottenham just fall off a cliff? and lose to everybody. And uh, Liverpool, I don't know what the hell is going on with Liverpool, but um, like, you, I, don't, I don't think you can really pull something off like this unless the teams that you're talking about are just like completely annihilating their league. So out of all the teams that you mentioned, out of the leagues that I am familiar with, because I am not really familiar with the league in Greece or Russia or... Sweden or anything like that. So I can't speak to those teams, but Byron is the only one out of those teams to me that is like completely dominating their league. Um, so I don't know. And honestly, to be completely honest with you, I am so emotionally drained after that stupid Arenado <laughs> conversation that uh, I'm still trying to catch my breath. <laughs> I'm the same way. I mean, yeah, change is good. Um, except in this exact instance where, I'm going to literally imitate everything Jacob just said. There's not really a point because there's not really a standout team other than Bayern. Um, you can give the exception that Liverpool's always up there. I mean, they 81 something, 80 something points last season. Who cares? That was a fluke. They had the refs on their side. Um, if anyone in here is a Liverpool fan, my bad. Not. Um, I don't really follow Premier League, so I can care less about Liverpool. Um, but yeah, so I don't like the idea of it. Um, it feels like a week-long tournament, maybe, then yeah. But the fact that it's going to be an actual season itself, I'm against. Yeah, it sounds like it would just be something else for the clubs to compete in. And some of these clubs, like 
like the English clubs would no longer take place or no longer participate in like the FA Cup, things like that, um, which I think is a detriment to, to stuff like the national tournaments. Um, but I mean, I, it would be interesting to see these clubs in a more challenging environment. But at the same time, how different is this really from what's already out there with the Champions League? It's really not all that different. Yeah, it sounds it sounds very similar to that. And it's the Champions League is a blast as it is. The Premier League's fun. The Bundesliga is fun. Um and I like the FA Cup and stuff like that is it's like the Open Cup here. Like it it gives Cinderella a chance. Um and granted the talent difference is massive, so Cinderella, Cinderella usually gets squashed, but it's still fun to watch that game. Like Tottenham played, uh, I don't know what the division is, but a team called Marine, I think, um, a couple weeks ago, and we we killed them, but we played them at their place. Uh, they had a few fans, and it was fun. Like it was cool. It was probably an experience that those players for the lesser team will never forget. So. Um, don't take that away from them just so you can have a super league that is just basically copying Champions League. All right, moving right along from international soccer to something more domestic. Uh, there's a very real chance that the MLS is going to be facing a lockout. Uh, the MLS uh, in December invoked a force majeure clause in the uh, collective bargaining agreement, forcing the MLS uh, PA and the MLS to come back to the negotiating table and uh, to take another look at the CBA um, that was put into effect earlier this earlier in 2020 due to the uh, COVID due to COVID. And the, so basically what's happening here is MLS is trying to uh, is seeking additional uh, around a hundred million dollars to offset losses it expects to incur this year. And some of that will come from cuts in player pay cuts in media um, media money, media revenue that's owed to the players. And they're looking to extend this CBA until 2027. Um, MLSPA has come back and said, uh, has said no to that. Uh, they did offer to, uh, to extend the CBA through 2026, um, taking into account all the cuts in salary and things like that. But MLS, and MLS has not responded to this yet. MLS has options here. They could continue to negotiate uh, as if there was no deadline or reject it and terminate the existing CBA. Uh, or they can reject it. They could accept it. I mean, if they accept it, the preseason camps uh, will begin February 22nd and regular season will kick off April 3rd or, and 4th. I don't know, guys. I mean, what do you think about the possibility of an MLS lockout? How bad is that for U.S. soccer? How bad is that for the players and clubs? And do you think that something gets resolved before then? So it's terrible for for U.S. soccer, for one. Um, it's terrible. It's a horrible look for the MLS. Um, I'm trying to do research as, we, as you're talking. Um, but from what I understand, if I'm wrong, you can correct me. Um, they renewed their CBA last year and now they want to renegotiate it this year. That's bullcrap. I mean, yeah, you can't really foresee 
COVID-19 or a crazy pandemic or anything like that, but near to the NFL, near to the NBA, but yet they're still going on with their regular seasons. They're not pissing in anyone's water. They're literally just playing their game and waiting for the new season to happen, new CBA to happen. Um, the fact that they are trying to lock out, I mean, I've seen it happen with the NBA and it was not good. I in the same boat as when I felt that way in, in whatever year that was, 2012, I think it was. Um, I don't agree with lockouts. Um, it is pretty much punishing players for not being able to play nice in sandboxes. Uh, it kills an up-and-coming young star's passion to play because now he has to overlook a CBA that could possibly cancel his entire season. Lockouts suck, obviously. Um, you know what else sucks? Phoenix? Carry mm-hmm. on. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I, I look at it from both sides and I kind of get it. Like it's, it's a, uh, it's a weird situation. Earl, you mentioned the NBA and, and NFL. I don't know about the NFL, but the NBA did reno- renegotiate. Um, they had to because they're not playing as many games. Um, revenues lost because of people not being in the fan in the stands. Um, so, so it, it has to get done. The thing is, is that, I, I I feel like if you're looking at like MLS as compared to NBA, uh, NFL, NHL, maybe not the NHL, but NBA and NFL at least, um, you know, every dollar is way more important to the MLS players and organizations because they're not making millions and millions of dollars like the NBA teams are. Um, there's just not as much money there as there is in these other pro leagues in America. So every, both sides need to fight for whatever they can get. And if that leads to a lockout, then it's going to suck. It's going to hurt. Um, to me, it's going to hurt pro soccer in the U S I think the men's national team is actually doing really well and will still continue to have a following and, and be fine. But as far as professional soccer in America, I feel like the MLS product has just gotten better and better and better and better the last several years. And this is definitely going to put a cramp to that. I will say though, if there are games missed and the season gets delayed past the start of the USL, uh, if the USL kind of gets bumped up into that, those time slots per se, and, and that spotlight, since the MLS is not being played, then, uh, that's good for the league that our favorite team is in. So we will see what happens, but I I am pretty bummed about it. I wish that they could just figure something out that will work uh, for both sides for the foreseeable future because both sides are just in weird situations with everything going on right now. So um, it sucks. I understand it, though. So hopefully they can figure it out quickly and and get the season started and and everything like that. I did see that several players um 
several high end players are actually transferring to European leagues, um, including most notably probably Jordan Morris, uh, who's going over to Swansea in what I believe I believe they're in the Championship division um, over there in England right now. So we'll see what happens. But um, I'm I'm not happy with it, but also understanding of it, which is basically my my uh, feelings on everything except for the Nolan Arenado trade. <laughs> yeah. When you talk about Americans going over to playing and playing European football, uh, another name that has popped up recently is Aaron Long from uh, New York Red Bulls. Supposedly Liverpool is interested in him. Uh, I apologize to any Liverpool fan out there. Uh, I don't think Aaron Long is the quality that you need. Now he is one of the best uh, defenders in the MLS but whether or not that that would translate to the Premier League, I just I don't know. I mean, if you look at you know, I mean, Liverpool had Joe Gomez, they had a VVD go down, uh, they had Matip go down, like, and Aaron Long is nowhere near the quality that they are. But Seth, you gotta you gotta look at it this way: if they're looking for that in the short term or like right now, they they might not want to spend Virgil van Dyke money on Virgil van Dyke's replacement while Virgil van Dyke is hurt. Oh so, no, absolutely not. Yeah. That so I could see them taking a shot on an American to give us, give them at least a stopgap and stop the bleeding per se um, until Virgil van Dyke comes back and until they get some of these other players back. And I mean, they have a fairly large following of American fans anyways, but I've, I follow several teams. I'll watch several teams' games just because they have an American playing for them, even if I don't like the team. And I don't like Liverpool. But if he's starting for them, I will at least tune in to see how he does, which helps Liverpool in the long term as well. So while I agree he's not the standard set by what they have lost, I still think it could be a smart move. Yeah, I think there are a few players out there who might be a better fit or do better over there than he than Aaron Longwood. Like I think Miles Robinson would do pretty well over in Europe. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, Americans playing soccer abroad. I mean, look at how big as like Pulisic and uh, Hoppy and um, Dude, he's Gio fun. Reyna and he's fun yeah, these Bundesliga clubs that are picking up uh, American players are really making a mark. And to see guys like Jordan Morris, guy who's been a staple of the national team going over and getting a chance over in Europe, uh, just fantastic. Um, but I mean, back to the MLS, uh, talking about the money issue. Um, I was just looking it up. So the MLS broadcast rights deal, the league basically makes $90 million a year off of this, which is not a lot. I That's mean, like the I, Super Bowl for the NFL. Yes, That's basically very little. Yeah, it's uh, so yeah. The, so they have two deals: one with ESPN and Fox, and one with Univision, valued at roughly seven hundred twenty million dollars. And that was signed and la- runs through twenty twenty two, and so yeah, it's worth about ninety million dollars per season for the league. So I mean, that's not that's not a lot of money at all. And so yeah, it, it's tough. Like you don't ever want to see any work stoppages. I remember the work stoppage in, in Major League Baseball in ninety four, and you tried to have you know replacement players, replacement umps. And it was just a giant mess. And so, yeah, no, I know. I know I'm old. I mean, if a lockout were to happen, which is the more likely of the scenarios, like if an agreement is not reached, it would be the first ever work stoppage for the MLS. Like it hasn't happened before. Um, The downside is that players would not be getting paid. The clubs are not getting paid. The, the, 
the employees of the clubs are not getting paid. And I think it's fair to say that the players have, have shouldered a significant portion of the, of the burden of the losses that MLS incurred due to, due to COVID in 2020. And I think to ask them to take any more of a, of a cut is, or to extend that, you know, for additional years, not just like a year for, for additional years, take pay cuts for that long is just unreasonable to the league. So, but at the same time, you also don't want the, you, we don't want the league to go insolvent. You don't want the league to not be able to continue to play. And so I just, I hope that they can come to an agreement. I hope they get back to playing. Uh, I mean, the league is not, the season is not that far from kicking off. And I think if they can get back on the pitch, it's beneficial for, I mean, U.S. soccer and soccer supporters here in the States. Yeah, that's, that's all I have to add to that too. I mean, I completely understand. And I, the the only silver lining, if they do go to lockout would be, would be the USL getting that bump up. Um, so I think we can use that to transition to, to not only the USL. We I, I'm sure Seth has something on on the majority of the USL, uh, or some other signings or something like that. But but we had a signing, we had an announcement from the league that was, the announcement from the league was after last week or after last recording, right? Yes. yes, it came out the day after we recorded. Oh, of course it did. So that's why I was like, I know it was a long time ago, but I don't think we talked about it last time. So, so yeah, we have some some USL news that um, some of it great, some of it questionable, some of it not great. Uh, just depends on on your outlook. So, I don't have the list in front of me, Seth. So, where would you like to start on USL news? Well, I think we have to kick it off with the fact that the USL Board of Governors came out and voted on a schedule for the 2021 season. Uh, 32 games slate uh, beginning on or about May 1st. Uh, the league does have flexibility on when they uh, when to start those. Uh, the league, so the, as of right now, the 2021 USL Championship season will start somewhere between April 24th and May 15th. Um, now the other bit that came out of that is that the uh, the league is going to be split into four divisions instead of the eight groups that we had last time. Now we don't know the details yet on who's going to be in what group, but according to Jeff Reuter, there will be three groups of eight teams and one of seven. And according to one of his sources, both of the Oklahoma-based clubs will be in the Eastern Conference this season. Now. There's a lot to take away from just those little bits right there. Uh, so we're going to see a vastly different makeup from what we saw in 2020. Um, I've kind of been toying around with ideas as far as who's going to be where and what divisions. Um, there were some changes to the league in terms of makeup and who's going to be a part of it. Uh, obviously, we know Oakland Roots have joined. They will be kicking, starting their inaugural season this year. Uh, and then North Carolina FC dropped down to League One. Philadelphia Union, Portland Timbers 2 were both withdrawn by their MLS parent clubs. Reno 1860 had, of course, folded, and then St. Louis FC folded as well. Um, so there's 31 teams currently in the USL Championship. Um, I mean, first of all, what are your thoughts on the dates? Like, is the first of May, I mean, we talked about it. We kind of thought, you know, we kind of heard that May was going to be it. I mean, as early as April 24th, guys, we could uh, hopefully be back at the lab. Um, but 
we will be seeing soccer here at some point in the not too distant future. Uh, I mean, thoughts on, on the dates and thoughts on potential groupings. I like the dates. It's a reasonable time frame. Um, obviously, with April 24th, that is literally right around the corner. Um, I would love not the 24th, but the 25th. Um, only because that's my birthday. Um, but yeah, I would love to see soccer back in April. And I think it's reasonable. Yeah, I... I'm a little disappointed in the dates. March is a month away. Like if we were going to start the season on time, then, then, you know, we'd have literally a month, uh, maybe a month and a week to wait. Uh, and then we would have regular season, New Mexico United soccer. So, um, I wish it was starting a little bit earlier, but, but I understand for the delay because of that. Um, if it's early April or late April, I mean, instead of early to mid May, then I would be a lot happier, but, we can't change that. I mean, to have the roster that we have right now this late, I'm kind of happy that it's pushed back. I'm wondering if we have the roster that we have um, as far as numbers and needing some other numbers or needing some other bodies to fill in. Uh, I wonder if that would have been different if the push-up date or if the start date was pushed up to March like it normally is. But um, but I... I'm content with it. I'm not happy with it. I'm not upset with it. Um, I'm just kind of like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Um, and as far as the groupings, uh, I think there's really only two logical ways to go. It's depends. One of them's if we're in a group of eight. One of us, if one of them's if we're the group of seven. I've heard that we're in a group of seven, and if that's the case, then I think it has to be the Texas teams, which would be Austin, El Paso, San Antonio, RGV. That's four. Us makes five. Colorado Springs makes six. Real Monarchs makes seven. That's my question, actually, um, because I did make a, a, a an idea of one. Um, would they do Phoenix or Monarchs in our division? I think they would probably do Monarchs because Phoenix are closer to the Orange County, San Diego Loyal um, group than than Monarchs are. Uh, so I, I think, and, and we can kind of look at what their thought process is. If you look at last year, um, it, it could have been Phoenix, us, El Paso and Colorado Springs. Um, and then had Monarchs in that division with Reno and all them, but they didn't do that. They put Monarchs with us and Phoenix over there. So I don't see them changing that this year, uh, when nothing else really changed. So to me, the only question is if we have seven or if we have eight. And if we have seven, then it's those teams that I mentioned. If we have eight, then it's those teams plus Phoenix. So it just depends on what group we're in. I did. I haven't mapped out the East necessarily, um, but the West would be basically your California teams and Phoenix, essentially. Um, I don't see it being anything other than those two scenarios, and I would probably lean towards the group of seven for us with um, Phoenix being in with the California teams. Yeah, I think I have to agree with that. Um, just in terms of travel and things like that. I mean, obviously we're going to see more travel this year, being that we will be in a group, uh, a, a larger group. I uh, go into Texas. Well, I guess in this case, it'd probably be what? 
12 to 18. Yeah. Yeah. 12 to 18 trips down to Texas this year. Um, I think that could be interesting, but yeah. Yeah. RGV, San Antonio, Austin, El Paso. Yeah. I I agree with that. I think we're in the group of seven, uh, throw Phoenix out West. Uh, I was actually thinking about the Eastern conference as well. I think what's going to happen there is you'll see, uh, Tampa Bay, Miami, Atlanta, Charleston, Charlotte, Loudon, uh, Red Bulls and Hartford together. And then OKC, Tulsa, SKC, Indy, Indy, Louisville, Pittsburgh, Memphis, and Birmingham in the other. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if you really look at the map and divide the teams into four groups, it aside from the Oklahoma, Texas group, um, having to force those Oklahoma teams over into a, an Eastern division. Other than that, it's pretty, pretty self-explanatory to me. So I'm not, I'm not thrilled with it. Obviously I would like just to be a full Western conference team or Western conference, Eastern conference schedule. Um, I really want to play Oakland this year and it doesn't look like we're going to, unless we meet them in the playoffs. Um, you know, they've got two former United players uh, with the announcement just the yesterday, I think it was of, of our boy Ben going over there to hopefully play first string goalkeeper for him. And then their first USL signing was was a local kid, Salih Mohammed, uh, who has one of my favorite goals uh, I've ever seen um, coming at the beginning of the restart last year. So, so I would love to be able to play those guys and and show them love um, when they came here or when they went there. And just I understand the wanting to condense to condense travel. So because of that, I get it. I don't want to see El Paso that many times. I don't want to see San Antonio that many times. I don't want to see Colorado Springs that many times when we faced them so many times last year. But it is what it is. You know, we'll we'll hopefully beat up on Ron Patel over there and RGV a lot and have some fun with that. So I wish it was different, but I understand like everything in life right now. <laughs> yeah, no one wants to go down to El Paso that many times. Kind of stinks down there. Um I think the four divisions is interesting. If you think about it, I mean, they're looking at the map. They really could have gone with like two ten man, two ten club groups, and then in a third eleven club group, which I think would have been really interesting. Basically, just do like the old like National League West, Central, and East. Um, I think that would have been really interesting to see. Throw us into like, yeah, it'd be tough to split who that tenth team out west would be. It'd be you know us or Colorado, but uh, yeah. It's, See clubs like, could you imagine seeing clubs like Memphis or Birmingham in the regular season? That'd be fun. I think, yeah, I think that would have been really interesting. Uh, obviously, it's not there. and It's still just too much travel, though. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal, but San Antonio to Memphis is a little bit of a jaunt. So I would have loved to have seen them do something different. And I think in the future, depending on, you know, we have we have a few teams that are coming in in the 2022 season. We'll probably have several teams that are, going down or just leaving altogether uh, in the next couple seasons. So, so we could see some shakeup even when the league gets back to running fully, as far as COVID is concerned, we could see some shakeup then. And uh, maybe we're in a, a different group then, but um, for, for now when they're trying to live it, limit uh, travel, doing four instead of three, just, just makes it way, way too much more, may way too much sense to me. Yeah. All right. So you brought up a couple things there and what you were talking about, Jacob, that I actually had on list to talk about tonight. First off is the announcement of um, 
Ben Bowery going over to Oakland Roots. Uh, I mean, congratulations to Ben. Like, um, we would have loved to have seen him more, uh, but I think it's great he's going to go out there. Hope, and like he said, hopefully get first team action out there. He certainly, he certainly deserves it. He proved that last season out in Reno, and we thought that he was fantastic. You know, in the limited time that we saw him here, so uh, I think from all of us, congratulations to Ben. We wish you all the best, and just uh, don't save too many goals against us. And then the other bit of news was you mentioned it in no, more new clubs starting in 2022. The newest one, of course, is Monterey Bay FC. Um, Monterey Bay will begin in 2022. Uh, they are yet led by two-time MLS Coach of the Year, Frank Yallop. And um, yeah, he's going to lead their soccer operations as sporting director. So the thing about this, about Monterey Bay, and I saw some people react to it on Twitter. First of all, they use other clubs' footage. Did you see this? And they're announcing with you? I didn't. I I briefly caught the announcement in general and thought, where's Monterey Bay for a second? And then I thought, oh, that's cool. Another California team. And then I thought, how many California teams is that? And then I quickly forgot about anything and everything Monterey Bay FC. <laughs> So yeah, if you look at the announcement video that they put out, it's got footage of Eighth Notch, it's got footage of the Curse, and there's one other uh, supporters group in there in their announcement video, which I thought was really kind of funny. Um, but it'll be interesting to see another club out west. Uh, now these guys are led by so the names might sound familiar, uh, Yallop and. The other guy, oh, sorry, I can't find his name at the moment. They're the guys who were in charge of Fresno before they folded in 2018. Now, that's that's interesting for a couple of different reasons. The biggest, of course, being the fact that they did have a prior soccer club fold on them. Now, some of that was due to the fact they couldn't get a stadium taken care of. And apparently there seems to be quite a bit of support for a stadium in the Monterey Bay area. So hopefully... It turns out better for them this time, but I do have a bit of concern about the USL bringing in ownership that has, I, I don't, really, no, don't necessarily want to say failed, but weren't successful the first time around. You can say failed. <laughs> do you think that's a fair statement? I mean, do you think that USL should have been looking at bringing in other ownership? Absolutely. I mean... You have a team that folded because finances, stadium, lack of support. I mean, you have it all right there. Something has to be said that, hey, this guy's probably not that good at running something. Um, the fact that they I gave him a chance to run another team. Um, I can only hope and pray that Monterey Bay does not fold. To be completely honest, I didn't realize that it was the same guys until you just mentioned it. That's interesting to me. I don't quite know what to make of that. Yeah, it's just kind of strange. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can turn around whatever they were doing uh, out in Fresno that didn't seem to quite hit the mark. Um, and can they improve upon it in Monterey? Can they actually you know, sustain that and get stadiums? Can they, can they put out a club? and keep that going. I mean, it would be, I think it would be a tragedy if they, if they failed again. And I think it would be a bad look for the USL. And so to be fair, the, the, uh, I, I don't know how far Monterey is to Fresno. So maybe it's the same local owners that 
uh, own Fresno. I don't know if it's if it's just Ray. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Me Bischoff um, is what I'm going to go with. Anyways, I don't know if it's just him that is coming over from Fresno as far as ownership is concerned, or if it's the whole ownership group. Maybe, just maybe, just speculating, trying to be optimistic. Maybe Ray wasn't really the problem in Fresno. And it was the minority owners and uh, lack of funding for a stadium and this and the other. So maybe maybe moving to a, a new city uh, with maybe some different minority owners is enough to solve the problem that they had in Fresno. So I will hold judgment uh, until we see Monterey up and running and see what happens. I think we're going to see some teams fold in the next year or two anyways. So if they can bring in players that are really good and have a good quality on the field project product, then I would like to think that's enough. But then you look at Fresno and they, they weren't terrible. They had a decent club and they still folded. So um, not so much Fresno. I mean, they were kind of middle of the pack, but Reno is the one that really uh, went from winning the supporter shield to not in the league the next year uh, within the matter of weeks. So hopefully, hopefully it'll be okay. And we'll, will continue to have solid teams and, and stop losing them to either lower divisions or, or folding altogether. So we shall wait and see. So I don't know if you guys caught it, but there were two, actually two articles this week um, or within the past week on uslchampionship.com uh, that focused uh, primarily on Monterey Bay. And one of them, uh, Jake Edwards, president of the USL, uh, talked to Taylor Twelman. Um, and said that there were active conversations that were ongoing with groups in Baltimore, Cleveland, and Milwaukee in terms of bringing more clubs into the USL championship with the belief that that not only would those be very popular additions to the USL, but that also that the new clubs would find success with uh, success, with, such as clubs as El Paso, Birmingham, and New Mexico United. And the league also has plans for grow, additional growth in League One, where up to five new markets could be announced by the end of this year with another 10 cities in active conversations with the league. Uh, it goes on to say expansion of the championship may soon be closing as the USL looks to solidify its model and take the next step in its evolution, potentially toward a system featuring promotion relegation between the top two, uh, between the two professional USL divisions. And then Edwards goes on to say, we've got some more expansion to come in the, into the championship before it closes off and it will close off soon. So we're trying to get those communities to get their business plans or stadium plans together to join. I thought this part here kind of got buried a little bit, but I think this is a fantastic look at what the USL is trying to do. Now, I don't know about Baltimore, Cleveland, and Milwaukee as far as potential cities, um, but the fact that Jake Edwards has, has stated that the league is looking to close off entry into the league, and then you know, you've got more League One clubs coming in, very edging ever closer to the possibility of promotion relegation, Really, really interesting stuff here. Um, you guys want to have any thoughts on those? Well, I think Cleveland would be a great city if they could get the face of the NFL to to support them in Baker Mayfield over there. You know, other than that, yeah, the cities kind of don't make sense to me. We'll see. I, I mean, I'm sure people heard New Mexico was getting a club, and they were like, "What? Why?" And and now look at us. So um, they might surprise us. But yeah, I think I think this is kind of where the USL was going all along. Like. Uh, I don't know how big they want to be. I think I think we're we're big enough at at the championship level as is, but 
I imagine I imagine they're expecting us to lose some teams as well uh, between now and then. So, so I think that if they can find a solid number for USL and USL League One, then Pro Rail. Uh, pro reg sounds sounds great. I mean, it sounds what I think everybody wanted in the first place. So, hopefully, that is what happens, and that they can get there. And I would I would hate to see something happen to the league that that United's in, and and have United not have a place to play, because I think United can be a very successful organization for a long time uh, with what we have seen so far. So. So yeah, that's that's kind of my thoughts on on that part of it. I, I enjoy it. I, the cities, we'll see, but the idea behind the cities and behind the the structure of the league makes sense to me, and I, I hope to see that. Yeah, you made a good point there with the city getting behind the getting behind the club. I mean, I don't think New Mexico United would be as successful as they are without the city of Albuquerque jumping on board and saying, "Yeah, let's do this. Let's Isotopes Park. Let's do this." already right there i would not be upset to see cleveland getting a soccer team um with the hopes that they rally around whoever their star would be um such as the way they're doing right now with baker mayfield um who is the second coming not patrick mahomes just to be clear my comment was a direct pot shot at you earlier it was it was not in serious. It was very much in jest. <laughs> and I don't think I don't. Cleveland's going to work no matter what. Um, no, but like I said, if they are, if the city and the state were to rally around that club, such as the way New Mexico did with New Mexico United, I think they can be successful in a smaller circuit market out there in Ohio. Yeah, Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> All right. So I got one last bit of uh, USL Championship news. Not really news, but uh, over on uslchampionship.com, there is a article where Nicholas Murray sat down and talked to Ron Patel and his plan for the uh, RGV Toros. Uh, great read. I mean, Ron, obviously a, a friend of ours, uh, someone that we've known since the inception of the club. So uh, go give that a, go give that a read. Um, I think I think Ron is. You know, RGV could be dangerous. I mean, who knows? Yeah, I, I mean, it just it depends on what they're who they bring in down there, and I know there's rumors about who their next coach might be. Um, so yeah, go go check that out. Uh, Ron Patel has a plan for the Toros, and now finally, guys, New Mexico United news and notes. Um, so since the last time we talked, there have been a number of signings specifically related to uh, the Albuquerque uh, to the New Mexico United Academy. Uh, so we'll just run through the names real quick. Um, Lamar Bynum, Paulo Vela, I think it's Jaime Terrazas. Yep. I hope I said that right. Uh, Christian Nava, Noah Escobedo, Nathan Slota, Slota, Dane Gallegos, and Eduardo Salcedo. So nine players have now been signed to the New Mexico United Academy. Uh, we nearly have a full squad, guys, at least, uh, at least enough to put on the pitch and uh, play a match. So um, we'll say we got some more forwards, some more midfielders. We got a first defender signed. Um, I think this is a, uh, this is looking good. All guys, these are all kids who have been in and around the highest level of soccer within the state. Um, 
Uh, most of these guys are all Albuquerque natives. I know there was one that was from uh, Los Alamos. Um, so yeah, I think that I think the academy is starting to shape up a little bit. I I agree with it. I am looking forward to the young, obviously the young youth coming up, and if they stick around with New Mexico, that that'd be great. But yeah, I mean they have some pretty good talent. Yeah, so as as things keep progressing, we'll find out more about the academy, when and where they're going to be playing, and we'll, we will give you guys uh, all that information. And congratulations to all the signings to the academy. Um, I think again, for if any of these guys are looking to become professional soccer players, this is the first step and and a great and a right in the right direction for them. Uh, getting in with an academy and getting a taste of what a professional soccer atmosphere is going to be like for these guys. Next bit of news that way that came out in the middle of all this, uh, there was a poll. That was done. That shows New Mexico United Stadium and Culture Center proposal draws widespread support. Um, and let's see if I can get to respond here. There we go. They've got the uh, the the rendering that was used here locally in in there as well. And it says um, the poll, which was conducted by Research and Polling Incorporated, indicates that Albuquerque residents would like to see the stadium built by a margin of nearly three to one. Um, and it says support for the stadium. Uh, and cultural center development was widespread in all categories. Respondents who identified as male, female, Hispanic, Anglo, ages 18 to 34, ages 35 to 49, and 50 to 64. Across all levels of income, education, length of residence in Albuquerque, and region of Albuquerque residents all support the project, according to the breakdown of the polling numbers. I mean, we knew it was supported. We knew that there was fan support here. I think this just goes above and beyond to say, hey, yes, we want this to happen. Yeah, I agree. I think... uh think we we knew that it was f- that most people most soccer fans anyways were for it um i'm a little surprised if we go based on the numbers on like facebook comments on news stories um and how people talk mad shit about soccer um i'm a little surprised that there are as many of those seemingly that are for it as well but um yeah, I think it's it's obvious to me that it's a great thing, even if you're not a huge soccer fan. Um, I got to be honest, the rendering that they show, I just I'm not a fan of, but but that's just me, and I know that that's just a rendering that's not actually what going to be what it's look like. So, so I need to get over that. But every time I see that that rendering, I just kind of throw up in my mouth a little bit because I hate it so much. So, uh, but other than that, the approval numbers are great. Uh, I think it's going to happen for sure. Um, I would like to try not to get my hopes up too much, but um, I just, I really do think it's going to happen. So I'm excited for it. I'm the same way. I mean, I, I'm actually kind of surprised judging by the comments and driving around Albuquerque and New Mexico itself, um, that there was at least one person who said that having a stadium is a bad idea. Um, I'm assuming that that person did not really look into the actual logistics of the stadium and how it's going to be multi multicultural something that's going to be able to be used year round restaurants and local businesses put in there um i don't think they actually looked into that part of it but maybe they'll change their mind eventually whatever the stadium is coming i think it's going to be huge for the club huge for the community um yeah honestly i'm not really surprised that there was such overwhelming support for it uh, now it's just a matter of the the club and the city getting it done. So, all right. Last but not least, 
JPG has finally has more than likely played his last starting match for New Mexico United. I know Earl, you're Thank excited about God. this. <laughs> it came out um, yesterday that the that New Mexico United has signed um, veteran midfielder Michael Azira ahead of the 2021 championship season. Uh, Azira comes in New Mexico United spending the past two seasons with Chicago Fire FC in MLS, and he had. Uh, over 125 regular season regular season appearances in the MLS over the past seven seasons. Uh, he is, of course, a Ugandan international. He also previously played for Seattle Sounders, Colorado Rapids, and Montreal Impact. Um, Michael actually got his start in the USL at Charleston Battery with a young head coach that we all know that we all now know and love, uh, Troy Lassane. And he actually scored the winning goal in the 2012 USL Championship final. Uh, primarily known as a defensive midfielder, uh, Michael is just, he's a fantastic talent. Um, I'll go ahead and throw this out there before we get into the discussion about him. There is an article over on uh, The Athletic that is just absolutely fantastic read. Uh, talks about him and his, his journeys around the MLS and how his experiences with the Ugandan international team. So I suggest you go, you go read that. Um, fantastic read. But uh, yeah, Earl, you were super, super excited about this signing. So let's start with you. Uh, what about Azira makes you be just like jumping for joy at, at this signing? You already said it. The fact that JPG is probably never going to start again. You're crazy. He's going to start, guys. He's <laughs> This isn't a JPG replacement. This is a Tenari replacement. Look, this is my time to shine. <laughs> No, this is a definite JPG replacement. Um, I don't care what Jacob thinks. I feel and I, I'm i hopeful, I guess, that this is the JPG replacement. Um, he brings everything that JPG didn't bring, such as hard work and energy. Um, he fills the midfield, which obviously with Tenari gone, Najem gone, um, and I'm sure I'm missing someone. To be fair, they 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 are not officially gone. Well, they are out of contract, not on any other team. Um, they have not been announced as a re-signing for United. So at this moment, they're gone. In in seriousness, though, he fills the midfield, which we obviously are lacking right now with JP with uh, Tenari not being here, Najem not being here. Um. I'm definitely missing someone that I'm that I'm sure was there, um, and he's bringing experience, so he can show these young kids such as uh, uh, Touche, which that's why I found his name is Touche or Touch Touche. I don't freaking know. Um, he can help him learn different forms and different tactics on what to do in different scenarios. Um, he has a whole bunch of international and MLS experience. Um, the guy is on FIFA 14, I think I've seen him on, so he has the experience. Um, yeah, I'm excited for it and I look forward to, to seeing him actually play. And it does take me back to my, my question the other day or a couple weeks back. Um, seeing that Michael Azira can score goals. Um, how much does Troy Lassane's soul go for these days? Earl, real quick. 
I hate the position that you put me in here. Because you put me in a position where I have to feel, I feel like I have to defend Juan Pablo Guzman. And that's not a position that I want to be in. Because I don't like Juan Pablo Guzman either. But but your slander has just gone so far that I feel like I have to defend him. And I don't like that position. So, that being said, I don't, I don't know much about Azira. Um, he, he's not a name that that I was super familiar with before we signed him. I've done research since then, and that has gotten me excited about him. Um, I, I find it funny that he is older than Estrada, um, and so that has me slightly worried because Estrada always seemed to be just lacking that little bit of pop uh, that these younger players have. So hopefully um, Azira has some younger legs than Estrada did or, or can can jump off the pitch a little bit at me more than Estrada did. And that's not to say that Estrada was bad. Um, actually looked back at some of his games recently and, and um, was excited by what he did, even in that first year uh, when I was a little, little less than impressed with him as far as on the pitch goes. Um, so, so I'm excited to what he, what he brings there. His experience is, is unmatched compared to anybody else. Um, that we have on our club right now, maybe except for dev, uh, cause he's bounced around a lot, but, um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a solid acquisition. I still would love to see Tenari come back. Um, I still feel like we need somebody else back there as well, but, uh, we'll see if, if that happens or not and who else we, we do get signed. Cause I feel like our, our attack has been bolstered dramatically. Um, and our midfield is still kind of lacking even with this signing. So, uh, hopefully we can get a couple more additions there to the midfield, uh, both in an attacking midfield role, a central midfield role, and a defensive midfield role. So we'll see. Um, I, I, but I am thrilled about the signing. Uh, I watched the video today or yesterday when they announced him, uh, and even with technical issues, seemed like a uh, a great, great guy. So um, I'm excited to see what he brings to the club, both on and off the pitch, much like David Estrada. Yeah, Azira is one of those guys that, unless you're familiar with, you know, say Chicago Fire or the Sounders, like you really probably wouldn't know the name. Like, even if you try to look him up as on the USL Championship website, he's not listed there. Um, and so it's because the USL website sucks. Oh yeah, no, it absolutely does. Um, but yeah, it's one of those one of those again, just one of those guys that if you weren't familiar with him, you probably wouldn't know who he was. Um, but yeah, like I said. Looking back at his career, looking at some of his stats on MLS, uh, looking at his Wikipedia, looking um, all over, you know, there's not a lot about him. And that's part of who he is. Like, and the article and the interview over on The Atlantic, uh, or The Athletic, I'm sorry, um, he says that, like, if he's, as a defensive midfielder, like, if he's being, if he's out there being flashy and being recognized by people, he's not doing his job. Like he prefers to take the back seat and just you know, go out and do the hard work day in and day out on the pitch. And that's something that I think that, uh, I mean, really every club needs, but, you know, especially us with the way that we like to play with a with a system that Troy likes to put out there. Uh, I think having someone who's going to be that box to box midfielder that can make the defensive tackles step in again, not necessarily flashy, not going to score a lot of goals, but he's going to make those, physical plays he's going to make those interceptions he's going to make those tackles that other guys probably wouldn't you know he, he to me he reminds me a lot of uh darlington nagby 
Nagby is a guy who is just all over the pitch. You know, he's making plays left and right, and he's just kind of a very quiet, experienced leader. And you, you can't discount the amount of experience that he's going to bring. And you guys mentioned the younger guys, they're going to be around him. I mean, he's going to be able to impart a lot of knowledge to these guys. And he's someone that has expressed an interest in coaching someday, coaching at a collegiate level or a youth level. And, you know, this is, a, I think this is a good opportunity for him to not only, um, play in front of yet another fan base that's going to really appreciate the effort that he puts in, but also have an opportunity to work with, you know, younger guys and start to get some of that experience, you know, for after his playing career is done. Well, so he was on KOAT last night. Um, so if you're listening to this later in the week, he was on KOAT on Monday night. Um, and he did say that he was looking forward to playing in front of the, in front of crowds um, he was looking forward to playing for Troy, something I guess has been on his bucket list to do for a while now. Um, and that a certain friend of his is what convinced him to come to United. There's only one other person I know that's played on, on Chicago Fire that's a current United player, and that's Mondo. So if we can get a Mondo-Azira connection, I I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I think that's something that we're going to be calling a lot this season. You know, the the zero to Mondo uh, play there. All right, I think that that's all that I had for this week's show. I know we've been going for a while. Uh, did either of you have anything to add that we haven't already talked about, or anything else just out out of left field? So I have a co- I have one thing actually, and it's just congrats to Chanel at United for being elected chair of the USL Impact Committee. Um, that's something that was left out of this, something that was notable. Um, also, congrats to Brandon Morris for being named the 2020 team administrator. Yeah, that, that about covers it for me. I mean, I I got uh, worked up over several things tonight, so I'm I am about done. Yeah, I think this was a lot of fun. We had a lot of a lot of stuff to cover tonight. I mean, it's just, it was an unusually busy two weeks around the sporting world uh, compared to what we've had here recently. So, um, also gives you guys a chance to hear what the show is going to kind of be like here going forward. Once we get back into every week mode, uh, they won't be quite as long, and we probably will have to be a little bit more choosy about the ep- about the topics that we cover. But thank you guys for hanging out, and listening. Jacob, get us out of here. All right, guys. Uh, thanks again for joining us doing it every two weeks just feels weird still. Um, I know that's what we've been doing for since the season ended back in October, November area, but still just haven't quite gotten used to it. Uh, but we will be back in two weeks. I'm, I'm hoping that me and Seth can get a dad ventures recorded maybe next week, but, um, we shall see. Uh, we both have a lot going on and even with, the world shut down still seemingly uh, it's amazing how busy um, dads can still be. So um, with that being said, guys, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, all the good stuff. You can email us. You can slide into our DMS on any of the social media platforms. Uh, You can come join the chat uh, on Twitch for now, which will soon be over on YouTube. Um, here in the next oh month maybe um maybe next week i don't know uh seth kind of is in charge of that so we'll have to see um we are getting equipment to do podcasts 
remotely or not remotely in person, but not in a house. So that is on location. Yes. That's, that's what I was looking for. Thank you. Oh, you already got it. Yeah. The, the pod track P4 came in today. So got this. Yeah. Sweet. So I got my microphones coming soon and then we just got to get Earl a a decent mic and we'll be set. And some headphones. We are seeking donations for Earl to get a decent mic. So (laughs) if someone out there in this Twitch world or podcast world wants to start a GoFundMe, uh, I will not be. (laughs) We'll get, we'll get you taken care of Earl. Don't worry. Don't worry. Um, So yeah, we're, we got some things in the works. Hopefully we can get back to in stadium experiences, whether it's hopefully it's with fans, but if it's just media that's there or whatever the case may be, uh, just know that, that we're going to have you covered on location coming up soon. So in the next season, um, that about does it for me. I don't have much else to say. I think I covered everything getting, doing this every two weeks gets me rusty for whatever reason, especially when you miss a week, uh, miss an episode here a while back. But so for Seth Earl and myself, have a good couple weeks, guys. Come back and join us and somos amigos. You've been listening to Suncast, the official podcast of Somos Amigos News. All of our shows are recorded live from Albuquerque and Los Lunas, New Mexico, are written and produced by Seth Bidoff and Jacob Terrell, and are edited by Seth. Special thanks to Jeff Two on YouTube for the music you hear in every episode. All episodes are recorded and edited using Clean Feed and Audacity. All of our shows are proudly hosted on Pinecast. 